0: All right. You guys excited to get in the word today? So we're doing the sermon series called Spirit Speaks. We kind of wanted to have just this, this time in the summer for us just to kind of hear what is God saying. And Pastor Joy absolutely brought the fire last week. And if you have not heard it, I do apologize. My computer monitor broke. Uh, at home, it's the one that I use for for our production and stuff. So I haven't been able to put her message on uh, on our YouTube yet. But I'm telling you, when uh, this week I should be getting another computer monitor. When I put that on, if you have not heard that message, you've got to hear that message. It was super powerful. Probably one of the best messages I've heard her preach. It was just super super impactful. And uh, and she was like, it's funny because while she was preaching, she's like, "Why are y'all so quiet?" I was like, "Because it's so good." Like you know, sometimes. You know, you amen when you know it, like you amen because you're there. Sometimes when you're hearing it, if you're not there, you're just quiet because you're like, oh, <laughs> I, need to, I need to listen, right? Not that we don't always need to listen, but sometimes when it's, it hits different. Have you guys ever heard that before? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes when you're hearing a, a message that's challenging you, it hits different. You can't be like, amen, because you're like, oh, me. <laughs> so, so it was amazing. Thank you, baby. Thank you for that, that word last week. Again, we'll have that up on there. So, so as we're continuing uh, talking uh, about just kind of like what is the Lord saying, we, we did a sermon series before this um, that was talking about spiritual warfare, and I felt like there were some things that I really, really wanted to, to hit. The one thing I talked about was uh, the belt of truth, and, but then the other thing, and I remember talking to, to Neil a little bit about this, I said, man, I really want to talk about the helmet of salvation. So the title of this message is The Helmet of Salvation. And it coincides with what we're, going, what we're talking about on Wednesdays. We're going through the book of Ephesians. So we're going to read some more of the Ephesians. If you've got your Bibles, turn it to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to read verses 10 through 18. It'll be on the screens there. We're going to be reading out of the NIV. It's the word of the Lord. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Say mighty power. Mighty power. Right? Not faint power, not weak power, mighty power. The day of evil is going to come. Anybody here ever been faced with a day of evil? Yes, we have. Say yes. 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 And even if you haven't, just agree. Say yes, I have. Mm-hmm. When the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. So Paul is instructing the Ephesians and also instructing us that we're going to have days where man, the, the enemy is going to be attacking us and we don't have to give into. Those temptations, we don't have to give in to uh, that deception. We don't have to give in to those attacks. We can actually stand our ground. And after you have done everything to stand, verse 14, stand firm. Then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, we talked about that, right? Like Batman's utility belt. With the breastplate of righteousness in place. With your feet, feed with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Praise God for the gospel of peace, right? Amen. Verse 16, in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith. That's fun, right? Shield of faith. And I love this part. With which you can extinguish all, say all, all all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Verse 17, take the helmet of salvation. That's what we're gonna be talking about today. And the sword of the spirit which is the word of God and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. Amen. That's just what we just did just a few moments ago, right? We were lifting up the Lord's people, right? We're doing what the word of the Lord tells us to do. Now, of course, obviously you guys are very highly intelligent people and it doesn't take too much thought to know what part of the body the helmet protects. The head, you're absolutely right. You guys are smart. Got a bunch of smart people in here. It protects the head. So the word helmet in the Greek is this big long word. you see that big long word? I'm not going to try to say that word. We'll leave it to your imagination. And what it means is it means an encirclement of the head, a helmet, a piece that fits very tightly around the head. So when I think of helmet, there's a few different type of things I think of when I think of helmet. The first thing I think of is maybe if you are a person who likes to ride motorcycles. I've never rode a motorcycle, but here um, in the state of Ohio, it's, you know, you see motorcycles all over the place when it's really nice weather. And you might see something that looks like this on the rider, which is a motorcycle helmet. Right? They don't have a seatbelt, so that's what they have to use. Or if you are a fan of football, Ohio State, OH, I O, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Hope you did that, Aaron. <laughs> you might see a football helmet like this that protects the wearer when they're playing football. Now, football is not a contact sport, it is a collision sport where you have colossal, like, Colossal beings absolutely smash against each other. And obviously, in the heap of all that, at some point in time, people said, you know, there are too many concussions happening in this sport. Let's start protecting their head. And so I am lucky enough to have family members who have played sports. We have, we have, we have sons who've played sports. And so obviously, uh, we have right here in our very viewing of our eyes, a football helmet. So if you, if you notice this football helmet, it has a lot of scratches and scuffs and because it's been in the battle, right? It's been in the battle, right? The thing is, it's not perfect and pretty and all shiny. No, this thing is scuffed. I mean, it's scratched because it's been in the battle. But the thing is, so this took, this took the, the beating, right? I mean... It took, it, took, it took the beating so that the wearer was protected when they were clashing against another person, obviously, with the same thing. So here we have, obviously, a football helmet. The next step, go ahead and go to the next one. So if you're in a battle, you would want to wear something like this in the army because you need to protect your head, right? I mean, there's bullets flying everywhere. And so you would wear a protective headpiece like that. Um, so in the time that these scriptures were being written, when Paul was talking about a helmet, the, the people who would be reading this would probably picture something that looked a, bit, a little bit like this. This is a Roman centurion helmet. So if they saw, if he's talking about a soldier and he's talking about the different pieces of armor Their picture would probably be that. Like I said, I showed pictures of what we think of when we think of helmets. Maybe you think of football helmet. Maybe you think, you know, motorcycle helmet. But this is the picture that that they would have. Is that this big, huge, gaudy, shiny, Roman centurion helmet. And so, obviously, they wore this to protect them. Because, you know, there'd be arrows flying and swords swinging. To protect their head and their mind and their brain to protect it because they were going to war. Saying going to war. And the reason why the Lord uh, is describing us having these protective pieces of, of, of fitment is because we are in a war, right? Yes, say I am in a war. And you are not in, and it's not against your spouse, and it's not against your children, and it's not against your boss. We just read it's against. Spiritual entities in heavenly realms. So we are at war. We are on a battlefield. We are fighting this fight. And so this thing is, friends, and then the scripture talks about this war, um, about having this battle, not just being in the spirit, but he talks about us having this battle in our mind. Battle. In the mind, the battleground that's happening inside of each and every one of our minds and in our thoughts. And so we are fighting a battle against spiritual entities. And one of the ways that we have to protect ourselves is we have to protect our thought life. Say, "In In the name of Jesus, I need protection. In my, in my thought life. Absolutely. Yes, we all do. Okay. So you have these spiritual entities that are, that are waging war against us. They're trying to, you know, bring divisive thoughts, uh, suicidal thoughts, self-deprecating thoughts. I mean, every kind of negative connotation you could think of, the enemy will do his absolutely best to try to play a part in, in planting those thoughts in our minds. The scripture says in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. This is why it's so important for us, if we have ever raised children or we're right now raising children, that we watch what we say to our kids or about our kids. Because people who are always being told one thing, they may begin to believe that in their heart. And then they'll become that, right? I mean, think of this. I mean, if you are constantly thinking, I'm a failure, what do you think is going to be happening in your life? You're going to be failing, right? Now, we're not talking about like self-actualization. I can't even talk right now. But what I'm talking about is you having a mindset in which you start acting out how you perceive yourself. And so, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So, if you, if, you can, uh, if you are thinking of yourself in a positive context, most likely you're going to be walking out positive actions. But if you're thinking of yourself in a negative context, friends, you're going to find yourselves in a very dark and gloomy place. Do you know that? Okay. Temptation comes through our thoughts. That's why it says in Corinthians... 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, it says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we, say we, We. talking about the body of Christ, we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. When I I see the scripture, what I almost think of is I almost think of like where maybe you have this battlefield and what you would happen is you would have, you know, this domineering force. And so what would happen is the other force would actually surrender. And so what would they do? They would actually take those captive, right? And maybe they would make them obedient to, you know, their kingdom or whatever. In the the same way, I just think of like how you know if we're at if we're at war in our thoughts, in our mind, in our hearts, what we have to do is we actually have to capture those things and say and say, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to make my thought life obedient to Christ. It doesn't matter where we are in our in our spiritual walk, and it doesn't matter how old we are or how young we are. I'm telling you, friends, every single one of us has thoughts. That are not of God on a daily basis. Challenge me on that. Because if you, if you can, you're Jesus. <laughs> and even Jesus battled. Think of this. Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane. He's asking his disciples to just tarry with him for one hour. And he's, and he's having this, this fight. And he's saying, Lord, take this cup from me. But not my will your will be done. Come on, see friends, he was having this battle in his mind, in his heart. And he's like, "Man, I don't want to go through this suffering, but Lord, I have to I have to do this, but I don't want to." The battlefield, friends. He took us he took those thoughts captive. The thoughts of his own heart were saying, "I don't want this." But then he said, "Not my will, your will be done." And that's what it is making our thoughts obedient to Christ. Why? Cuz Christ would say, Don't act on that. Don't think that way. Don't um, entertain that thought. So what do you do? You make your thoughts obedient to Christ. You may sound silly, but you might have to just say, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke that. (laughs) Has anyone ever literally just like had like crazy thoughts and you just out of your mouth said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus? Absolutely. You need to. There's this amazing movie that uh, was released maybe 10 years ago. It's called Fireproof. And there's this little line in that, in that movie that was pretty inspiring. And, it, and this was the line it says, Don't follow your heart, lead your heart. Don't follow your heart, lead it. See, we have a, and, and we've, been, we've, been, we've been dumping this thing for years, haven't we, babe? This whole belief of follow your heart. You know, go after your heart. You know, our poor, our poor princesses are, are being, you know, bombarded with that, you know, in every cartoon. Follow your heart. Follow your heart. Well, friends, what happens when you follow your heart? Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. The heart is deceitful. <laughs> what happens if you follow a deceitful heart? You're going to be deceived. I mean, think of this, this is how, this is how God is describing this in his word. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. (laughs) So the whole belief, you know, there's this, there's this, there's this fallacy. There's this belief that, that, that we are all inherently good. Like, you know, I mean, what it is, is I think it's this, I think it's a a deception of the enemy because what it does is it makes us not not in need of, of a good God. So, like, like I've watched these debates and people are like, you know, uh, humans by nature are good. No, we're not. I saw that in a two-year-old. <laughs> they are not good. They're hellions. <laughs> right? They will run all over every person in that house. Right? Like, like seriously. like, Like, there's... Like, like the, that, that, child isn't just inherently good. You don't see them like sharing their bottle. Like they, like, no, like, like give me mine toy now. Like, like there's, there's, we have a selfish, sinful nature. We, we are inherently selfish. We are inherently self-centered. How is that inherently good? There's only one that was good and it was Jesus. And that's why the scripture says, not one is good, not even one. And so, friends, we just got to know that apart from Christ, my flesh, myself, my heart is deceitful. And it will deceive. If I allow my heart, if I follow my heart, it's going to take me into a place of deception. And it's desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jesus. God is the only one that can truly know our hearts and knows what's in our hearts. We can put on a facade in front of everybody. We can look good. And that's why it's so scary, because in the scriptures, when we see when Jesus at the end times He's separating the wheat from the chaff, they all looked good. But only some are real, some weren't. And so, friends, when, when God is, is when he's when he's challenging us, when he's speaking to us, when he's when he's moving upon us, when he's motivating us. Are we going to continue to do what we want to do or are we going to submit and yield ourselves to the Lord, his word and what he wants us to do? I said, you know what, it it is better for me, (laughs) it is better for me to to be in the perfect will of God and, and have struggles and have hardship than to not have any struggle at all whatsoever and not be in the will of God. The scripture actually says that he is going to reward those when they're going through difficulty. I want to be rewarded, friends, I don't know about you. God can know our heart. God does know our heart. He knows that it's deceitful. He knows that it's wicked. And if you've ever heard that term, well, God knows my heart. He does. And he knows it's nasty. <laughs> God knows my heart. Yeah, he does. He knows that thing's nasty. That's ugly. He knows it. He created it. He designed it. And we got we to come to this, this realization that Lord, the, the Lord judges deeds, not hard intention. Well, uh, it wasn't that I intended to offend them, but you did. So then what do you do when you know you offended a brother? You have to apologize. Oh, that hurts. Who in here has a hard time saying they're sorry? Am I the only one? Please raise your hand. Help me out. Okay, there's like four other people. Yes, thank you. <laughs> right. Right? When, you, when, you've, when you've hurt somebody's feelings, when you've stepped over the line, when you've offended somebody, and you know it, you don't just think, oh, well, <laughs> well, they'll get over it. No! The scripture says that if you've offended someone, leave your gift at the altar and go make it right with them. What that means is you have to make a phone call. Yep. Or some of us might cop out and send a text message. <laughs> uh. <laughs> the best way is maybe if you could see them face to face. And say, man, I screwed up big time. I'm so sorry. I did not mean to offend you. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. Most of the time, it's all perception, right? For the most part, I know you probably didn't mean, I didn't mean to hurt their feelings. But either the way it was said, the way it was perceived, you offended them. And so we got to make it right. Friends, if we follow our hearts, we will travel on an emotional roller coaster and find ourselves way off course. Our heart will lead us astray. Say astray. It will lead us astray. So when we're in this, when we're talking about taking thoughts captive, when we're talking about all this other stuff, friends, we're talking about acting out on the Lord. Just know that, friends, it's a thought before it's an action. That any action that has ever happened, that we've ever done, was a thought in our mind before. And I know this because it says that in the book of James, chapter 1. It gives us the whole kind of layout of how it happens. And, that at the, and, you know, and then you know, that it becomes you know, a thought, desire, action, and then the end result is sin and death. You guys with me? All right. Friends, our mind is the control tower, the control center that sends signals. So when we have emotional signals, when we have a a hunger signals, when we have all of these different things, these are all controlled by our mind, by our brain. That is why it is so imperative that we have to clothe this brain with spiritual armor to guard the control tower that we might stay in alignment. You getting this? Friends, if we find ourselves without the helmet of salvation, we will be weak and unprotected in our minds, and the devil will have a field day with us. He's just waiting for us to put our guard down. He's waiting for you. He's waiting for me to put my guard down. It said about Jesus in the book of Luke, it said that the devil left Jesus and waited for an opportune time. It's almost like he's in the bush waiting. You're that important that he wants to screw you up that badly. Come on, somebody. That's scary, isn't it? He told, think of this, back in the the Old Testament when Cain was getting ready to, to, to slay his brother, he told him, he said, he said, sin is crouching at the door, but you must master it. He knew it was right there. Sin is crouching at the door. You must master it. It's waiting. It's going to have you. And obviously he gave into it. And that's how it is with us too, friends. Friends, temptation, lies, manipulation, the devil. He's just waiting there, ready to pounce, ready to to have his way with us. So we have to keep our mind and, and our brain and our thought life protected. We absolutely have to. Because if he can seize, he has an opportunity and he can seize our mind, he will fill them with lies. He will fill them with deceptions. And then, just like how Pastor Joy said, you know, how the enemy works in our life, it isn't just a, a, a 30 degree change, it's a one degree change. And then what happens? Maybe, maybe you start questioning Scripture. Maybe you start questioning the, good, the goodness of God. Maybe you start questioning, you know, God's loyalty to you. Maybe you start questioning, whatever it might be, it's just a little deception, and you find yourself just off just a little bit. And then where, does, where will that lead? You'll find yourself, sin will take you farther than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay, and it'll cost you more than you want to pay. It's quiet up in here again. Yeah. <laughs> this is tough, ain't it? But it's true, friends. This is, this is absolutely necessary, absolutely needed. You know, um, he's gonna, he'll, fill his, he'll fill our lives with deception. He'll fill our lives with manipulation. He'll just, that's, just, that's just what he does. He'll, uh, you know, he'll send all kinds of signals. We'll find ourselves depressed, discouraged, and down, and defeat, and all that other stuff. But we can, we can combat that by girding up our mind, okay? If we have a defeated mindset, we will live as defeated people. I already kind of shared about that, okay? Now, the, funny, now, uh, the thing is, is, friend, this fight that we have to do, uh, I want to, um, is, uh, if we have a defeated mindset, we'll live uh, as defeated people. Um, we only have to fight and win one day at a time. Let me tell you that this, this is the strategy right here. One day at a time. It's a biblical strategy. Jesus said, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has its own worries. Don't worry about tomorrow. Okay? <laughs> we don't even know if tomorrow's coming, to be quite honest. Right? Today has enough troubles. Today has enough worry. So, today, so what we do is we, we fight the fight for today. Don't worry about the battle tomorrow. Don't worry about the battle that might happen on Friday when you go to work and you're going to see the coworker that you don't want to see. War- fight the fight today. Fight the battle today. Walk in victory today. If you can walk in victory today, you can walk in victory tomorrow. Then you can walk in victory the next day. Then you can walk in victory there for that. Then hopefully by the time you get to Friday, hopefully, you've been in victory enough that when, you, when you're facing those fights, Hopefully you have enough courage and strength and grace and you've been prayed up enough that you can actually face that challenge without giving in to the enemy. And the hard thing is many of us want to, man. You just, like, just want to like, go off on somebody. You've been waiting. But why is that? Why are, why are you like cocked and ready? We just have a society that's just ready to fight. I think a lot of it is because, you know, underlying maybe there's some frustration and stuff that's going on in people's personal lives. They just haven't been able to maybe express that. And what needs to happen is we need to just, again, change our perspective and know that the battle and the fight is against the enemy and our souls and the devil and the kingdom of darkness. Friends, we're not going to win every single fight. We're not going to win every single day. But if we can face each challenge every single day, we will find ourselves having more victories under our belt than defeats. And that's where we want to be. That's where we want to be. Walking victorious is not walking perfect. It's having more victories under your belt than having defeats. Okay? We have our weak days. We have our great days. And so, you fighting and you staying in the battle. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. So friends, if you find yourselves out of the battle, friends, get in the battle. Get back in the fight, please. We need you. Your family needs you. Right? There are people that are being affected because of your walk with God. Do you know that? You're affecting people whether you know it or not. And So stay di- diligent, friends. We need, a prayer. we need to pray ourselves to have the mind of Christ. And say, Lord, give me your mindset. First Corinthians chapter two, verse sixteen says this. It says, For who has known the mind of the Lord as to instruct him? <laughs> nope. <laughs> uh uh-uh, not me. I ain't gonna tell God what to do ever. Have you ever tried to tell God what to do? How'd that turn out? <laughs> hey, there's some people bold enough to try to tell God what to do. Have fun with that. I'm good. I'm good. I I, I fear the consequences of that. I'm good. Lord, tell me what to do, Lord. Okay, But we have the mind of Christ. We need to have the mind of Christ, friends. Say, in the name of Jesus, I need the mind of Christ. Yes, I need the mind of Christ. So it talks about this helmet, and it says it is a helmet of, and it brings this descriptive word, it is a helmet of salvation. Right? Salvation. So salvation Hey, uh, it's found five times in the New Testament, this Greek word. Um, and this Greek word is uh, soterion. And what that means is defender or defense. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting that that word salvation means defense? That's pretty interesting, isn't it? That's pretty awesome. So what it's basically saying as this salvation is a... It's a hell blocker. It's a hell blocker. <laughs> Our helmet of salvation is a hell blocker. Okay? It's, it will block the, the fiery, flaming darts of hell. It'll block the onslaught of the enemy. It'll, it'll block when the enemy is trying to tempt us and try to get us off target it is a, that salvation, that helmet of salvation is a defender. It defends against the enemy. It says in the, um, oh no, 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 I, want, I don't want to go there yet. Um, so this is the thing. So again, you know, when we see a helmet, we may see some of these different things. Go, I want to show that uh, uh, helmet again. Go to the next slide. Um, that. This <laughs> dark dark helmet from Spaceballs. If you don't know what that is, as a parody of Star Wars. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go to the next one. All rise in the presence of dark helmet. No. Okay. Um, Roman helmet. So think of this helmet as a defender, right? It's a defense. They don't wear it just. You know what I mean? Because they want to look good, and because they want to, you know, show off. No, they wear this thing because it actually w- will protect and defend their head. It will protect and defend uh, their 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 mind and their brain. You know, and so this thing was usually gaudy. It was pricey. It was made of bronze. It was very detailed. And this is the thing, friends: Jesus' death and resurrection purchased for us salvation. It was costly. It was piercing. And, and the thing is, it's funny that, that, that Paul likens our salvation to a helmet. And so, so they're visualizing this Roman uh, a centurion helmet. And the thing is, is when they noticed the helmet, they knew who they were affiliated with. And friends, in the same way, when we put on salvation, people should know who we are affiliated with. They should know who we are loyal to, where our loyalty lies. When they saw that helmet, they knew that is a a Roman uh, soldier. Friends, when they see our lives, they should see that we are affiliated and associated and closely related to Christ our Lord. Amen? And so this salvation, friends, it's it's a it's it's a, a hell blocker. It's a defense. It's a defender, and more than that, friends, salvation. Uh, I love what it says uh, in the uh, the the Lexham Theological Workbook. It says salvation is the rescue from a state of danger and the restoration. To wholeness and prosperity. So salvation also includes in it, friends, healing, deliverance, blessing, prosperity, redemption, joy, peace, pleasures forevermore. The joy of our salvation. Come on, someone say amen. It's more than just penetrating and blocking the enemy. Friends, it actually will give us things like joy. The presence of the Lord. Friends, our salvation, when we receive it, will actually transform our lives and we will become a new creature. And it uses this term in scriptures. We will be born again. This transforming salvation is um, by no accident that it's around our heads. Because Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 says this. It says, Do not be conformed Uh, to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind, then we will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Friends, and I want to know that. I want to know God's good will. I want to know God's pleasing will. I want to know God's perfect will. And it comes from being transformed by what the renewing of our minds, friends. Renewing the way we think. We need to continue to renew our minds so that we can make it to the end. Right? The scripture says, he who endures to the end will be saved. Not he who started the good race and gave up after the first lap. It says he who endured to the end. We have this thing that we used to say. I don't know if we used to say this in kids church or youth church or if we just used to say this. It's that, that there's, because uh, we, we use this term saved, we say, you know, I'm saved, you know, I am saved. Well, it's kind of a, I am saved, I'm being saved, and I will be saved, right? I am saved, right? You become a new creature, right? He saved us from darkness into his marvelous life. I am being saved. We have this process of him renewing our mind, right, until the day of Christ Jesus, and then I will be saved when we're standing before the judgment seats. And when he's, when he's separating left and the right, we will be saved because of the blood and because of Jesus and because of our salvation that he purchased for us. Okay, we need to know God's word so that we can bring our thoughts and our mind into alignment, that we can continue to stay on that straight and narrow. And, friends, uh, you know, our salvation is no secret. There's this belief that, you know, well, my, my belief is secret and personal. Jesus' death was not private or secretive. It was displayed for all to see. And in the, same context, in the same context, friends, our faith needs to be visual for others to see. It says they will know by the love that we show one another. That's how they're going to know. I, you know, I had this, this bizarre, crazy thought. I was like, this is nuts. Think of this. We have a perfect God who could do the most absolute best at representing himself. But for some reason, he chooses to use imperfect vessels to represent him on the earth. He puts a lot of faith in humanity. Right? I mean, because he could just show up. He could represent himself pretty well, right? He does not need any help. But for some reason, he uses the church. He uses people, and we're imperfect, and we're, and we're flawed, and we make mistakes. So take that, take that. I mean, just chew on that for a while. Well, i got to be perfect. No, you're never going to be perfect until you're with him. Right? We're just going to keep, keep this thing of, of, of moving forward. Okay? If Christianity was a crime, could you stand before a judge and would you have enough evidence to convict you? Could somebody look at you and be like, that's a Christian. Whatever, what evidence or fruit do we show? Does our life reflect salvation? Can people say that we're associated with the kingdom of heaven and of Christ, just like they had with that Roman soldier? We're going to end with this verse here, and this is found in Isaiah. It's pretty cool because... Uh, Paul, who knew the scriptures when he wrote the book of Ephesians, was actually kind of pulling some of Ephesians from this passage found in Isaiah. Isaiah 59, verse 15 through 19. Verse 15 through 18. And in verse 15 it says, Truth is nowhere to be found, and whoever shuns evil becomes a prey. The Lord (laughs) Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. He saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. Wow. So his own arm achieved salvation for him. His own arm. His own righteousness sustained him. Next verse here. Get to it. He put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak according to what they had done So he would repay wrath to his enemies and retribution to his phones. He will repay the islands their due. So we have the scripture that says his own arm achieved salvation for him. What was that? That was Jesus, right? He sits at the right hand of God, right? Salvation achieved. Jesus achieved salvation for us, right? And then it goes on to say, you know, the helmet of salvation on his head. Um, This is what's so amazing to me. Uh, sorry, I got one more. I got one more verse. I forgot this one. Uh, this is what's so amazing to me. When we actually are putting on the full, full armor of God, Galatians chapter three, verse 27 says, for all of you who are baptized into Christ Jesus have clothed yourself with Christ. When we're putting on the helmet of salvation, we're putting on the breastplate of righteousness, we're putting on the shoes of the gospel of peace, we're putting on the belt of truth, we're actually clothing ourselves with Christ. We're actually clothing ourselves with Christ himself. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. Isn't that amazing? I think that's amazing. That's incredible that we actually get to clothe ourselves with Christ. Man, isn't our God beautiful? Isn't he awesome? Isn't he incredible? I mean, there's just, I mean, we we can sing, I mean, I think of how the angels sing holy, holy, holy. They just see the different attributes and aspects of our God. Uh, in an in a infinite way, we only see on a very finite level. And, and when I think that, that, that Christ himself, I can clothe myself with him, man, that is incredible. It almost blows my mind. Not only can I serve Christ, but I can be clothed with Christ. And I don't know about you, but friends, that is our ultimate goal, is to look like Jesus. Correct? That's... Right? That's, hopefully that's your goal. Right? It isn't to make a name for yourself. It isn't to do this, that, and the other. It is that, that we are being perfected and conformed into his likeness. So that when we stand before him, we look the most like Jesus we ever have. And that can only happen if we're continuing to fight in our mind. And we're keeping that helmet girded and guarded. So that we can stand before him with clean hands and a pure heart. Let's pray. Father. We come before you in the mighty name of Jesus, and Lord, we are so grateful and so thankful for all that you've done, and you have given us everything that we need. Thank you that even in Scripture, you you share with us that evil's going to come, hardship's going to come, tragedy's going to come, but Lord, you've given us the very things to help walk us through those things, that we can stand firm, that we can stand with you. That you're going to stand with us. So Father, in the name of Jesus, again, I yield myself to you. I submit and surrender my heart and life again. And if you're in this room, I just ask you to do the same. Just surrender yourself again to the Lord. If you're tuning in today uh, through uh, live or or through broadcast that's been recorded, surrender again to the Lord and just say, Lord, here I am. Thank you for all that you've done. Thank you that you purchased for me this salvation. Thank you that I can have uh, this thing fitted around my mind, that I, I won't be deceived, that I won't be, that I won't be misled or, or led astray. But Lord, I can stay uh, right in the place you want me to be at, where I can know your perfect, pleasing will for my life, Lord, and, and what you want to continue to accomplish on this earth, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we just thank you. We believe by faith that we have a renewed mind. We believe by faith that you have transformed our lives. We believe by faith that God, that Lord, that you are going to continue to fight this battle with us and for us. And Father, I speak to every person today, Lord, that is God, that's just feeling uh, defeated. Lord, would you lift us up right now in the name of Jesus? God, would you gird up? God, thank you that your word says, uh, that, Lord, that, that you will take off, God, the, the, the garment of heaviness. Lord, would you remove that garment of heaviness even now today, God, in the name of Jesus. And give a garment of praise. God, remove the grave clothing, Lord. Let your sons and daughters be reminded of the joy of our salvation. ramasita <speaking in> sita <Spanish> In the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way in and through our lives, God. We love you. We love you. Thank you for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name. Friends, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face towards you. And may he give you peace. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen, friends.